Johnny Herbert has got to be one of Britain's best-loved racing drivers. For the last 15 years, Johnny's big heart has seen him organise an event called the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. A three-hour endurance race where just about anyone who fancies having a go can buy a slot on the grid, put a team of pals together and race against professionals. The race exists for two reasons, to raise money for charity and to give back something to race fans who would like to meet and race against their heroes. I've been involved in this event since 1998 and this year, once again, I'm fielding a team of, well, let's say mixed abilities. They are... Driver Menu Driver 1 Bradley Ellis. Bradley, 22, is the winner of the 2007 Avon Tyres British GT Championship. He's more used to driving the massive Dodge Viper, but he does have eight years' karting experience. Driver 2, Craig Sowelly. Craig is a motorsport journalist and is someone who really knows racing. He's doubling up as team coordinator today, though we haven't told him yet. Driver Duncan Tappy Special Laser Duncan, 25, is winner of the 2007 British Formula Renault 2 Litre Championship. He came up through karting and is currently racing in V12 single-seaters in Super League Formula. Jake Reed Special Jake, 17, is Team Gareth Jones on speed's not-so-secret weapon. He's a kart racer who set the lap record at Countum, five British kart tracks. He's so quick, he's one of only three racers picked to take part in today's Young Guns shootout. Zog, age not specified, is precise, dependable, and he does have the best I've just taken off my helmet hairstyle, even when he hasn't just taken off his helmet. Gareth Jones, minor handicap. Gareth, 48 going on 12, is enthusiastic and experienced, though you wouldn't know it. He has an entertaining driving style. Apart from his duties as driver and reporting for this programme, Gareth is operating as team principal for Team Gareth Jones on Speed. So I'm standing trackside with Duncan Taffy. Duncan, we're watching Gareth in the free practice session now. And what can you tell us about how he's driving? What do you think? It's okay. Looks like he's just getting himself into it a bit, but maybe a bit more corner speed to let the car slide a bit more. At the moment, he's just being a little bit too neat and tidy. And I think with these, you need to just hang out a bit more, a bit more aggressive. At least a bit more ragged, you think? Yeah, you know, drive a bit more like a rally car in these things. Not that much grip, but it's okay. He's doing all right, you know. First lap, so we'll see how he gets on. What's the secret to uh, really getting speed out of these cars? Well, it's all about keeping the revs up, really, and, and whether you do that by being smooth or just carry lots of speed through the corner just so you can keep the engine spinning. But uh, at the moment, he looks like he's getting his head around it. And see there, he turned in a bit late. You know, and, and once you turn in late off the rubber here especially, then, then it, you sort of end up sliding all the time. So I'm sure he'll work that one out they were right. I worked out a lot of stuff out there, primarily that the pace was very quick, and I wasn't on it. So how was it out there? Alright, familiar. Yeah. Um, a shorter lap than I remember. I'm a lot worse than I remember. I didn't spin it, 
I got the back end out once. The two corners I find particularly tricky, the one which I'm bold at. I'm still not bold enough to come into this first 180 degree bank corner flat out. I have to admit to lifting as I approach, okay. and I know that's the wrong thing to do. So I've got a lot of work to do, Zog. That's the O Rouge of Docklands. Absolutely, it is. Or turn eight in Istanbul, is it? It's fun, real fun. I'm, I'm really happy to be back. It's 12 months since I was in a cart, and I don't know why it's such a big gap every year. Right, well, the rest of my team are either practicing or waiting for their chance to get a bit of practice in. I'm going to have a word with a man who I reckon could grab the lap record here today if I can get to him. Because at the moment, there's a big crowd around the timing screens. And right at the head of that crowd, talking to the man who owns the race circuit, I think that might be part of his strategy, is Sam Berg. Sam, are you going out there now? I've already been out. You've got two minutes. Come and talk to me. Lovely to see you here, man. Thanks to people like you. This is why people take part in events like this, to race against people like you, because you're a benchmark. Now, you've got a bit of history with Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge, haven't you? Tell me, how many times have you done this now? Oh, gosh. Um, I think this is my third time here. I started, my first ever go was in 2005. I came back again last year and here I am this year as well. It's a thing that I really enjoy doing every year. I enjoy supporting Johnny and the charity. And also I love competing in the, in the race. It's good fun. You set the lap record at the old circuit when we used to do it at the Raceway Kings Cross. How difficult was that? Well, I beat Jensen by one thousandth of a second. So, uh, yeah, that was quite good. But uh, it, it is difficult because... There are a lot of good drivers here. There are a lot of carters actually here. So they're used to this a little bit more than, than I am and a lot of the guys that have moved up to single-seaters. So it makes it difficult, but it's really challenging. Everybody enjoys it. It's a great day out. I've been watching your progress since I first spotted you taking part in this, I think three years ago now. And you've had another great year. You've had a sniff at GP2, haven't you? And you did fantastic. You were third at Macau, weren't you? Yep, third at Macau. Where does that leave you now for the season coming ahead? Well, I've signed a contract with the GP2 team, which will be announced tomorrow. I'm really excited because it's a top GP2 team, and I'm a very privileged young man to be with such a good team. I believe I've done some good work with them so far, and let's just hope that I have a good year. And the next question is cash. Anthony Davidson is here today, as, as talented a driver or racer I've ever met, and the thing that's stopping him from maintaining the momentum of his career is cash. How do you do it? How does any driver do it? With great difficulty. I feel sorry for Anthony because just like you, I admire him as a racing driver. I think he's one of the best out there and it's such a shame to see him not in F1. But it is very much dictated now by money and if you can't go to race teams with money to get into Formula 1, it's very hard to get there. So it makes it extremely difficult, but maybe we can get there on talent alone, but let's just see talent is a big part of it you've got to be in the top three or the top five to be able to warrant that support from people are going to pay for your way I suppose yeah. that's the key isn't it exactly you need to be putting the results on track um, you need to be good off track as well with your PR and your media stuff but then even that sometimes just isn't enough uh, on a case like Anthony he's superb with the media superb on track and uh, and it hasn't ultimately worked so far but I just really hope that 
people like Anthony and hopefully myself um, can get a chance. Sam, everyone on Gareth Jones on speed will be watching you as closely as I have been. Now, man, it's a great privilege to race against you. Thank you very much. Um, enjoy today. I'm, I'm waiting for the lap record. How, how uh, quick was your lap earlier on? Our cart isn't very good in a straight line. That's what I'm saying. I'm blaming it on the cart. A proper racing driver then. Cheers, Sam. <laughs> Sog just came over. How did you get on, Z? Okay, I'd like to be in a little bit quicker. I thought I was building up a reasonable amount of speed, but there are a couple of corners that I'm not very tidy in. But I think I'll settle in in the race. Managed to avoid any embarrassing spins. Are the other members of our team, and I use the word team in the loosest sense, are they happy with the cart? Well, Duncan reckons it's a little bit slow, actually, that uh, maybe we might have a spear a slight disadvantage on the machinery front. I don't know if we can now uh, have a word with the stewards. And I'm not sure whether that is a smart move or not. All the carts here are prepared to a standard, and if there's nothing fundamentally wrong with our cart, I think we stick with it, because it's the luck of the draw. We might get one that's not quite so good. That's my considered opinion. It sounds as if we maybe sort of... We've, uh, had a slightly unlucky draw in the in, in that respect, but uh, well, we'll see how we get on the race. Yeah, we'll work with what we've got. Yeah. But everyone in our team was talking about the performance of our cart. Jake Green too. The exact like came past me, same as amount of corners. They just accelerate halfway down the straight. It's got a bit of understeer. There's a couple of corners where it's a bit looser than we're on the exit. That's just just uh, there's not much grip out on the track at the minute. I was just saying, my advice is stick with what we've got. If there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it, that might be as good as it gets. Maybe worth having a, having a little word. Let's have a, hang on, here's the boss. What there? Just then, Mike Siegel, the owner of the Docklands Raceway, walked past. So I thought I would seize my moment and diplomatically put our case. Mike, these two gentlemen racers here are wondering what are the options in terms of our cart. If we felt that our cart wasn't quite to the standard I know you can change it to. Change it? Yeah? Yeah, most definitely. What's your team number? 21. 21. You don't need to change it. You need to uh, get a Ferrari, basically. <laughs> Ask the guys in the pits to change it for you. Within this hour, you can change the cart as many times as you like. There's no restriction. You go there, you say, I'm not happy with it. It's understeering, it's oversteering. Somebody f***s themselves in it. I don't mind what you want to say. Just go and tell them. Well, the trouble is, we'd have to put you out again or you out again to get a benchmark and make a decision. And then whether we can manage switching that car back, I think it's too much of a risk. I think we play the safe option and go with what we've got. Right, he's going back out in the shootout. So. Yeah, but we're not allowed to change it for that. said only in this hour. Unless, unless we can just change it for that. i tell you what, when you go out to yours, you know the circuit like a lap, you get a couple of quick laps, come in, say, change it. I'll do a lap, change it. You want to go for it, you go for it. Yeah. I'll back you. I'll back you. Right, you have to change the car. We can during practice, but not during the shootout. Well, we might as well let Duncan do it, because he's yeah. the last out. Yeah. So. And he'll get a benchmark. He'll know whether the previous car was the right one or not. All right. Did you find it understeering? I'm not the man to ask, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had to lift coming into here, and I didn't want to do that. Uh, I've taken it flat in the past, but I, you guys know better than me, believe me. Speed at the 2009 Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge!
just before the race starts proper I've got a couple of minutes to talk to someone I've raced against and lost against many many times at this event over the last 11 years I've been doing it I'm very pleased to see him here again Johnny Molan hi man how are you very nice to see you again in the silence you can sense the anticipation as the pressure builds this is supposed to be fun but it becomes very serious doesn't it well I, I can honestly say that for me it doesn't I mean for me it is absolutely lovely to come to something like this see people I mean I worked really hard actually to try and get Johnny Herbert to be my teammate this year professional teammate in the Zytec Genetta Zytec LMP1 hybrid car and uh, in the end I had Stephanie Hansen as my teammate which again was fantastic not a bad idea no no but I work, I, work, I work quite hard and I don't get an opportunity to see Johnny very often except at things like this and it's very good because as you'll know from talking to Johnny he's very relaxed most of the professional drivers are sort of you know being paid and got careers are actually very relaxed at these sort of things it's when you're the young drivers that are coming here still trying to you know very good drivers don't get me wrong the sort of professionals of the future but they're still trying to break into actually being paid professionals maybe they take it a little bit more seriously yeah. we've, we've got a few of those in our team so. they're still trying to prove themselves absolutely yeah we're too old to prove ourselves now what, what is it? it is what it is you've got it? very little to prove and can, can I congratulate you Zog my co-presenter on the show was very excited you get in the first podium from a hybrid powered car ever that represents a see change in the technology and the approach to motor racing in the future doesn't it absolutely huge and i mean the thing about the hybrid was that we knew it'd be taking you know in order to take two steps forward we're gonna have to take like 16 steps backwards i mean it was really difficult the technology is so complicated because if you actually say in black and white in terms of what it is it's basically just an electric motor that runs in both directions so you can regen and also generate power and then you've got an inverter that harnesses the regen the kinetic energy turns it into storable energy stores it through the inverter into a battery and then when you want to release it it, it goes back again. So in, in essence, that sounds really simple. When you've got to make them all communicate with each other, bearing in mind that you've got the electric motor running through the shafts that are con- connected to the crankshaft of the petrol engine, so they're not running on any clutches there, it's direct drive. So you're in a situation where you've got to have something communicating to make sure the electric motor runs at the, the right rev range where it's not going to overstress the petrol engine and vice versa. You've then got the battery storage. It's not just a normal battery. It's a, a clever, intelligent, what they call an intelligent battery, which is obviously harnessing that power and then releasing it at the right time everything has to be programmed there's umpteen communication systems within the car to make them all talk to each other to get that to all happen without it having a fail safe every 30 seconds is incredibly difficult and of course the motorsports and Zytec engineering have done a fantastic job this year to get us out there in the American Le Mans series and and actually run pretty reliably and uh, actually like you say get the first ever podium for a hybrid car ever in the history of sports cars from the point of view of driving a car mm-hmm. which has those sorts of energy recover abilities yes what difference does it make for you are you doing a lot of management are you effectively a manager in the car these days well it's a good question because in the very beginning i was i had a whole bunch of levers and knobs and buttons and everything else that i had to run through various sequences when i was actually initially testing the hybrid system uh, the rules dictate in the american le mans series that it cannot be controlled by the drivers it's not like a push to pass button like they use in the curse system in formula one it's all controlled through throttle but that's obviously programmed in so every circuit you go to it's programmed to come in at different times so you might have a first gear corner where you want initial as soon as you're on the throttle you want initial boost from the curse system and then hybrid system and then it'll shut off for the rest of the time so they can actually manage it you can use it to manage fuel efficiency or you can use it to help performance at this stage we actually had our hands tied behind our back because the battery technology we were allowed to use had to all come from road cars right. and so we weren't able to harness enough kilowattage to actually really generate any real horsepower yeah. next year that will change as we're now allowed to use other than road car parts the biggest thing going back to your original question is actually going on corner entry under braking 
braking because you're doing regen at that point. So it's like equivalent to having a whole load of brake bias wound to the rear of the car, which is very unsettling. So getting the handling of the car around that is quite tricky. You've now got a database. Um, I would imagine that's what you've been doing. You've been spending the last, what, 18 months getting a yeah. database as to what this car can and can't do. Yes. It's now very much race-ready. Will you be racing it again next year? Do you know yet? Yes, Corsa Motorsports and the team owner Steve Pruitt is committed up to the first half of the next season, so right through to July already. That's, uh, that's done and dusted. And it's going to be exciting because uh, we made a big breakthrough at Laguna Seca, which is unfortunately the last race of the year last year. But in, in that race, we actually managed to overtake everybody, barring Gilles de Ferran's Acura. We even overtook David Brabham's uh, championship winning Acura during the race and ran second overall on genuine pace. And that's not a bad car, is and it? And that is not a bad car. I mean, the Acura LMP1 Acura is just fantastic. And uh, so I think for next year, with the way the rules are going to run, where everyone's in the same prototype class one cars, and uh, it's going to be a case of handicapping between those. So LMP2 and LMP1 are now being amalgamated into just one class. I think we stand a chance, really, a really realistic chance, of actually maybe giving the first ever win for a hybrid. So I'm really excited about that and it's just lovely to be a part of something that is generating publicity and, and, and is really moving the sort of technical prowess of this kind of thing forward because you're exactly right to say it in, within the next four to five years I think you'll see an awful lot of hybrids out in racing and I think hybrids on the road will become a lot more of a common feature was it they say I've seen the future and it's called what Johnny Molem's driving <laughs> yeah sounds good I know the Zytec guys because they provided the engines for the A1 GP car John Manchester I remember from Zytec was telling me that we're working on something that's a bit exciting and a yes. bit secret yeah and this, this is it this is it yes absolutely and uh, Zytec actually had a press day uh, last Wednesday and uh, I went up there and stood in front of a whole bunch of journalists and TV people and talked about the hybrid and they basically showed everyone around not just the hybrid side of things but what Zytec Tech do as an automotive and engineering company and they are world leaders in electric vehicle technology that is a large part of their of, the, of what they do and they have various contracts with big manufacturers like Mercedes and everything, not just through racing, but also that go into road cars. In fact, they actually have a big input into these electric, fully electric delivery vehicles like FedEx and people like that are using now. That's all, that, a lot of that technology is designed and is put in, put in place by Zytex. So they're, they're obviously a very big part of this whole equation. It's great that the racing that we do for fun and for a living, because we, we're passionate about it, Absolutely. is making a difference to the cars we drive and the vehicles that are on the road every day. Motorsports always had this history of offering cutting-edge technology. We lost it for a while. It's great that it's back. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, because if you go right back, even to just basic things like crash helmets and seatbelts, that was all designed and generated and first used in racing cars. And then the list goes right through to active suspension, injection engines... ABS systems, traction control systems. You could sit in your road car now, even a pretty basic road car, and everything on that car has been designed and developed through racing, right down to the tyres and the ability for the tyres to wear at a certain rate, the, the lateral stiffness of a tyre nowadays. I mean, the tyre technology is something that's moved on massively in the last 20 years, allowing cars to actually be a much safer when cornering and braking on the road, dramatically in reducing accidents and probably deaths as well on the road, and that's all come about through racing. So for us to be sitting here talking about something that hopefully will be something very exciting for the future is it's almost a proud and privilege to be a part of it johnny and it's lovely to Thanks see you again much. johnny Mollen, good to see you good luck in the race not too much luck obviously. yeah likewise yeah. the johnny herbert car team challenge is actually a three-hour endurance race for a team of five drivers or more we have to make 10 driver changes in those three hours so basically everyone gets to do about 15 or 16 minutes you do two sessions then your fastest driver does the last stint they do three stints 
instead of two. Let me just ask Zog how he got on. He's just come out on his second stint, so he's all done now. Zog, how are you feeling? Oh, a bit tired, but uh, yeah, just getting my breath back. It's hard work. It is hard work, yeah. You look smooth. Thank you, thank you. It didn't always feel smooth. I was, I was trying to be smooth. I had a couple of laps that felt like they came together, like the car was going where I wanted it to go, and uh, yeah, we're smooth enough. But you know, but the rest of the time, uh, I'm a little ragged somewhere, or a lot ragged somewhere. It's very hard when you've got guys like Anthony Davidson coming up behind you at an incredible pace, isn't it? Yeah, he passed me during that stint. He passed um, everybody. Yeah. Somebody else, not Anthony Davidson, yes, slightly shoved me off into that barrier over there, which hurt a little bit. But, uh, there's a bit of that going on. And we're still 17, which is okay, we're holding our own. Zog and I may have driven our final stints pretending to be racers, but Anthony Davidson still had his final stint to do. But before he went out again, I thought I would find out from a real driver how to be quick out there. Anthony Davidson, you passed me on the circuit. I made it difficult for you by being very wide and very rubbish. But when you get onto a circuit with someone as talented as you, you realise the difference between those of us who think we can do it and those who can actually do it. Can I ask you three tips, right? How do you make a cart go quick? Although they tell you not to, the key to make a cart go quick is really uh, learning how to brake. And uh, they tell you not to ride the brakes, but that really is the, the, the fundamental of, uh, of a low-powered cart. And so you kind of use it in a way like traction control, um, just to sort the, uh, the understeer out in the car. And um, you can use it to sort of almost Scandinavian flick the cart into a corner to yep. just use it almost like the rear axle, like a handbrake in a way, to just stop the momentum. So there are loads of little tricks, and getting the cart right on that critical balance is what it's all about. And if you have an ill-handling cart like we've got today here, you have to try and find these ways around it. So if you haven't got a cart that's completely sorted, all that experience of, of well, I did 12 years of karting, I think, it all comes flooding back to you. So, uh, yeah, that, that's one of the biggest tips, really, is, is the braking. That's interesting what you say. It's kind of analogous to the job of a TV presenter. I reckon, and you know from being a broadcaster yeah. yourself now, when everything's going fine, it's easy. When things go wrong and you still deliver the show, or in your case, deliver the race, or yeah. make the cart or the car go quick, yeah. that's when you earn your money. Exactly. It's being able to do it when it counts, and not making mistakes when it counts as well. So races like today here, at this event, it's all about staying out of trouble, putting the laps in, overtaking people efficiently, and just, uh, well, above all, having fun. But it always gets serious, doesn't it, at the end of the day, and people can't help themselves. You can, you can smell the testosterone You can, you genuinely can. <laughs> and that's even coming off of women. <laughs> <laughs> now, the last time we saw you in F1 car was in the Super Aguri team. Two years ago, three years ago now? Two years ago? Uh, it was two years ago. Two years yeah, ago. Well, one and a half, let's oh, say. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because you dropped that halfway yeah, through. Exactly. And you had some extraordinary moments there in a team which punched way above their weight. Yeah, we, we started the year with a good car, don't get me wrong, we had a good car. It was a good midfield car, and we could do, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th positions in it, uh, me and Takuma in qualifying. And uh, 11th was your best, was it? 11th was my best. I did think I did it twice or three times or something, and also my best race finish, funny enough. As I was coming into my stride, the car was losing speed against the others that were making developments because we all obviously started the year running and uh, other cars, I seem to remember the Toyota was quite bad at the start of that year. They worked on it and got it better, but we didn't have the financial benefits like they did to improve, so we were stuck with what we had. 
and it was the first time I really saw in Formula One that evolution process and it just it's immense and as we sat there with the same car other people caught and overtook us and pulled away I think Renault was another one of those teams and yeah as I was like I say as I was getting good at my game um, other people were overtaking us team wise and uh, still we punched above our weight like you say and uh, it was quite fun racing people like Jensen in, the, in a similar car um, at that time and had a good little few battles every now and again and um, it was great fun I, I miss it immensely that was my next <clears> question <throat> you've spent the last 12 months doing a fantastic job commentating for the BBC I'm a big fan I was a fan of you as a racer I'm a fan of you as a broadcaster <laughs> because I think you have an honesty when you're broadcasting and yeah. you see stuff which a lot of commentators don't so uh, do you know about next year yet have you can I ask you uh, two pertinent questions yeah. you, you know you don't have to answer them no have the BBC offered you a contract yet? Oh, you mean the TV or the radio? Either. Uh, well, either. I, I think I'll be sorted for next year, okay. commentating-wise. Um, obviously, I, I love it. It's brilliant fun when I'm at the tracks as a reserve driver like I was this year. I might as well do it. And, you know, it keeps me busy and, and it's good for the profile. So I enjoy doing it. I hope people like what they listen to. And I try and, even though I was connected with the Braun team this year, I really tried my hardest to not be biased. I hope that came across. And I just really like to try and explain to the, to the layman what it's like out there in one of these cars because it it's a selfish sport, really. You know, only the drivers get to experience exactly what goes in the car, what goes on in the car. And I really try and explain that to the people listening or, or watching back home. So, yeah, it's, I, I do enjoy it. It's not what I really want to be doing. I want to be racing. Um, but, you know, times are, times are tough and, and money is important. Could it happen? Could you get a drive? I mean, maybe not in F1, but somewhere else next year. What oh, are your no, options? I, I did race elsewhere this year. I did Le Mans and Spa 24 Hours uh, with the Aston Martin team with ProDrive and, uh, and the Nissan um, team with GigaWave Motorsport. So um, that was really good fun. I only basically had two races this year, but I think Alan McNish did as well. Um, very similar stuff. And, you know, it's, it's getting really critical for the teams now, money-wise, in Formula 1 and outside of Formula 1. And, you know, we've seen teams come and go in F1 and, unfortunately, more so the latter. But they need that financial backing and, and the drivers being able to come along and supplying that, it's, that's really where it's at at the moment. And it's a shame. I've got to move you off because you're about to go back in. Yeah. One very last question. It's about the relationship you have with a team, isn't it? You have strong relationships with people who could give you that option or do you need to deliver cash as well still? Is it not just your yeah, talent? It doesn't, it doesn't matter about relationships at the end of the day. You can be as good as what you want as well. Unfortunately, people, they come in and out of fashion in this game. It's weird. And if you have the money, it's a huge boost in barging your way through that door. Because until you do, there's this big doorman standing in your way that doesn't want to have any of it. I suddenly became aware of the doorman-like figure of Radio 5 Live F1 commentator David Croft standing over us, meaning that David needed to get Little Ant back into the little cart. So that meant I could have a word with Crofty himself. Where's your team at the moment? What position are you in? Well, we were seventh when uh, Ant was out on the track. Uh, since then, we put some no-hopers into the car. And Ant, now thank you. Going. Goodbye. He's off like a and racing driver. You've got to get out there because Alan van der Merwe is going backwards faster than he's going forwards at the moment. How so. can that be? Well, is if, he only quick in a straight line, then? If he had a Mercedes-Benz estate, he'd be fine. You know, <laughs> this, this is the guy that, when there's an accident, he's at the head of the field. Otherwise, he's right away down. No, he's a great driver and he's better than me. He's, he's the fastest man in an F1 car and the slowest man in F1. That's what they say. 
say, yeah. isn't it? It's something like that, yeah. Because he holds the record for that <laughs> thing at uh, the Bonneville Salt Flats. The Bonneville Salt Flats, when uh, he went something like 900 miles an hour on that one. But, uh, yeah, no, stick him in a Mercedes-Benz estate. He'd give Bert Mylander a, a run for his money and does so every weekend. But we need Ant back on the track. He's an exceptional talent. He flew past me. That's not difficult. Ant or Alan? Ant. Uh, Alan's pretty handy, too. <laughs> Zog, my co-presenter, marked out Alamander Merva a few years ago as a top man. So you've got a crack team, don't you? Uh, well, no, we've not done bad. The Five Live team this year is, is, has been very good. The two professionals, uh, Johnny Noble's been borrowed from Autosport.com, who's a bit handy. Andy Stobart from Bridgestone Tyres, just so we have some decent rubber on it. And myself, uh, who did one stint, and that's all we're going to say about it. <laughs> David Croft, lovely to uh, share Cheers, space guys. with you, man. You too, fella. OK, we're into the last ten minutes of the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge 2009 now. I'm going to run down the top five for you. Number five, the ladies team. Number four, karting1.co.uk. Third, Made in Italy. Second, Evo 6. And first, Asher Rebels. Our team, Gareth Jones on speed, or as it says on the timing screens, Areth Jones on speed. We're still 17th, which is pretty good as far as I'm concerned. As we go into the last few minutes, who's going to win? Gareth Jones on speed at the 2009 Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge! The main reason I'm here at the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge is I'm a race fan and I've been a fan of the man who's organised this race since, what, let me think, 1991 or two, something like that. Was it really? Yeah. Johnny Herbert, thank you for having us. I've been doing this uh, since 1998 and I wouldn't miss it for the world. Good. Why do you do it still? Well, I think it's, it's something that I've always enjoy to do karting for one so the, so the racing has always been something I've enjoyed karting's always a great thing for if it's family orientated or not so the charity thing was an obvious thing to, to do as well you're putting something back into the charities uh, that we choose the, the Harry Burrell Trust is this year which is for children which is great so I'm always normally children orientated to be honest what's happened over the years is I remember the originally there was myself I remember DC used to come along I think Alan McNish used to come along we had Robbie Williams a couple of years ago when Jen and turned up but it's got more and more and unfortunately more competitive as the years go on and again this year we've got another one hell of a challenge out there for everybody trying to run down the quickest car because they're just so quick now and it's it's good because that passion is coming out motorsport is still popular and I, I still enjoy doing it it's clear that you still enjoy doing it because of the fun you had in the btcc this year was it fun it was interesting it was it was something I I'd never really looked at to be perfectly honest and then just it came out I drove the, the Team Dynamics car at Goodwood strangely enough up, the, up past Earl March's house and through that they just said well James Thompson can't do it you know what about doing the last three and I said well oh, I think they said well let's why not do you know the next race I said well it's probably better if I can do the last three because I said to just jump in and do one and be expected to be sort of there or thereabout, I think is sort of really is an impossibility for me to, to, to do it anyway. So it came down to, oh, right, we'll do the last three. And I know what touring car is like. I know how tough they are. But if you accept it and go into it, you know that if they dish it you, you can dish it back. And you, it's accepted. You were accused of being a little too aggressive in the last race, weren't you? Yeah, but he was Italian. and He went all Italian emotional. So that was just <laughs> typical. He, I was only dealing out what he was dealing me, which yeah. I thought, well... 
door rubbing, mirror rubbing is part of it. He's rubbing his mirror, so I thought, well, I'll rub mine back. But an interesting challenge. It's a very different discipline for you going to a front-wheel drive racer as as opposed to the kind of things that you've driven, and I'm including those extraordinary speed cars for two years. Well, at least that was still powered rear-wheel drive. Even that, that, although speed cars, like like an American NASCAR, so it's a big, heavy thing, about 1,300, 1,400 kilos. They've got about about 600-odd horsepower. But it was quite squidgy. It was really, really soft. It dived when you brake. The f- nose went up. The back went down. It rolled left and right when you turn the car. But it was rear-wheel drive. But a touring car, which is quite a very well-engineered race car, is front-wheel drive. And it makes a massive difference because I've driven two things, a Mini and a Seat car, years ago. And I just did one-offs with those. So it almost the opposite. Mm. Obviously the opposite because it's obviously front and rear. But to drive it, everything you do, you go into a corner with a sports car, Formula 1 car, you go in, you brake, you turn, you get on the throttle, you get out. But in this, you have to be off the throttle when you go in to allow it to be able to turn. And then you can't just get on the throttle to get out. You've got to be smooth and it's all the steering angles and everything else. So it's quite a technical car to drive anyway. Psychologically, what does that do to you, a man who's usually... Destroy you <laughs> really no it doesn't destroy you no it's it's something that is just different but what i've always liked about doing different things is the challenge of it and there was the challenge of doing the the british touring car and it was to me it was the challenge of adapting to a completely different style of car and seeing if i can get on with it rockingham was my best event and i did mix it with the big boys all the championship contenders in that little battle i had with giovanardi turkington was involved as well jason plato was involved as usual as well. so it was the top three as usual exactly so it was the top three of the championship that I was sort of mixing it with and that was great it was good that I got up to speed to be able to do that so so I was pleased from that point of view I've spent some of today talking to people like Duncan Tappy and Sam Bird who are still in the ascension trying to generate the interest and the sponsorship you're not in the descension you're making hand signals showing that you're on the way down you're not you have a momentum there was an enormous upswell of interest from people like me fans when you went to the BTCC and a lot of angst from the people in the BTCC oh he's an F1 driver coming to show us how how difficult is it for someone who's still very close to the top of his game like you yeah, well, again, touring car, different type of driving, a lot more rubbing and bumping that goes on. But as I said at the beginning, if you accept it, you know that's part of it. Yeah. So you can actually deal with it when it does happen. You know, my first uh, race weekend was at Silverstone, and I got nudged out for the first time by probably the guy that I expected to be nerfed off with, right. which was Jason Plato. Yeah. So, you know, that. but I accepted that was part of it. I knew it was going to happen at some point because I've seen it on the TV when I've watched it. I saw it during that weekend, and that's what it's all about. And to me, it's not how it should be, but it does make the show really good. And it it works in your favour sometimes, but it could also work against you as well. So there is that sort of uh, 50-50 chance, let's say, during a whole season, which I think is fair enough. Will it happen next season? Do you know yet? Uh, No, I don't know yet. I think it's like anything nowadays with the sort of the financial situation we have. It is more difficult, and everything seems to happen much later. I remember when I was on the up it was sort of happening around sort of maybe late October November December time where now it's actually going into January February time before really anybody even sometimes even March by the time they get everything together like touring car to get it together so I think we're going to have to wait to see exactly how and when that comes together and if we can get the money together to do it 
then, then it'd be great. It's not just the money to get me to do it, it's the money for even for the teams to be able to compete themselves anyway. And then, of course, then you've got to get the, the right drivers, which then adds the budget. So I hope so, because I did enjoy it. I don't want a proper go. You're uh, handing over to the next generation now. Are you going to introduce me properly? Yes, well, this is Amelia. Amelia, we've met briefly. Yeah. This is Chloe. Can I have a word with the girls? You can, yes. Thank you very much. Ladies, no. um, next generation Herberts yeah. taking on Dad. Why'd you do it? For a laugh, to have a bit of fun. That's about it, really. Try and beat him. Push him. Push you. <laughs> very aggressive, my daughter's very aggressive. Are you trying to prove a point here? Yeah, we're better than him. Are they? They it never will be. <laughs> never will be. We are. In other things, yeah, in other yeah. things. They're taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not too difficult. I know, it's not, no. Um, um, how is it out there, girls? Yeah, good fun. It's fun, yeah. It's quite some quite, aggressive drivers yeah, on there, very uh, pushy. But, uh, this is their first karting event, not, not just sort of what they've done a couple this is their first one and I think to come here you know this is hard because as, as we were discussing it is so competitive out there and of course there's a lot of pushing to get past the girls who are trying to to get up to speed but they're, they're dealing with it very well yeah I think I was behind you at one point and I couldn't get past you so uh, that's good enough for me the Hermits thank you very much indeed I look forward to racing against you guys again soon it's very disconcerting having at least four Johnny Herberts out on the circuit with those helmets thanks guys the 2009 Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. I don't know if Ricardo Patrese is in the cars at the moment, but if we can grab him, let's go and talk to him. Signor Patrese? Yeah. Do you have two minutes to talk to me for my show, Gareth Jones on Speed? Yeah. How wonderful to see you here, sir. And it's a privilege to race against an absolute legend. Thank you. Can I ask you? about a video clip I've seen on YouTube of you taking your wife for a spin in a, was it a Honda Civic? Yes, it was in Ares last year. She didn't know what you were going to do, did she? No, no, she didn't know, but really I didn't know also the fact that we had the camera on the car because I didn't expect it to be on. So it came very natural, but I think very funny. It's a wonderful piece of television. And I, I think it's added to your legendary status now, you know, it's a new kind of legend. Can I ask you, the life of a, a racing driver who's achieved so much, how does it continue for you after Formula One? Do you still have a passion for racing? Well, I have a passion for sports, a passion for competing. Racing, I did the master two or three years ago because I think it was a good thing, a good fun. But really, at the moment, I'm not racing anymore. Apart from this kind of event that I like to be, because it's for charity, because it's for good friends as Johnny Herbert, and because I'm here with my son, so it's a good moment to live. I'm competing at the moment in horse show jumping. This is my new passion at the moment. Does it translate? Are there similar skills you need? Well, I think the adrenaline is very high also when you go to jump with an horse. So really, <laughs> I get back some of that kind of feeling. But you take this very seriously. Last year, you had the quickest lap time during the race. How do you do it? Well, I mean, sometimes I go karting. And because of that, uh, I'm not so bad in driving go-kart. 
and apart from that, uh, experiencing means something, uh, and I did this for so many years that it became very natural to me. Ricardo, it's a pleasure to talk with you, sir. Thank you very much indeed, and thank you for taking part in this event so people like me can race against legends like you. Thank you. Thank you very much to you. Grazie mille. Ciao. Now, that is one of the reasons I do the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. To be able to race against skilled men, legends, the people who have made me passionate about the sport of motor racing. Ricardo Petrezzi. And who's going to win this race in the closing few minutes? Let's have another look at the timing screens. Pasha Rebels are still looking like they're going to take it. So it is most definitely going to be a close-go finish because team number 12, the Fashion Rebels, look to have things sewn up. They're going to be crossing the line any second now. But the real race is on for third position. Team 21 crossing the line now. Team number 12 take the chequered flag to win the Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge 2009. Second place is going to go to team number 6, Evo 6. But who is going to take third position? We await number eight made in Italy they crossed the line to take third position so there's your top three ladies and gentlemen the Pasha Rebels take the race win Evo 6 finishing second place and let's give team number eight made in Italy a hearty round of applause they take third place the ladies team with a very commendable effort in the dying stages of that race they very very nearly snatched the bronze away from made in Italy in the dying stages karting1.co.uk finishing in fifth position with Johnny and the Juniors dropping out of the top five in the dying stages. Rapid response in seventh and Radio 5 Live doing a very good job with their machine, dragging it all the way from the back of the grid up to eighth position. That round of applause is for the auction that happens at the end of the race. They've just sold Jensen Button signed Braun GP hat for 500 quid. That is uh, why we're here, to raise money and to have a bit of fun. Zog, good race for you? Pretty good. I think we uh, we managed to hang on to our uh, qualifying position, finish 17. Uh, yeah, I think we, we did OK. If you want to take us on and race against some F1 legends and help raise money for charity, you can do it too. All you have to do is to field a team. You want to know how? Contact me at onspeed at garethjones.tv and I'll tell you how. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed at the 2009 Johnny Herbert Karting Challenge. See you next year. To join the OnSpeed Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, see pictures, read lyrics or find out more information, go to garethjones.tv. We're now taking a little time off for the holidays and we'll return for our sixth season in the second week of January 2010. He's really put my lisp for its paces there, hasn't he, with that script? And here's another one. Seasonal felicitations from all of us at Gareth Jones on Speed. This show was produced in London by Whizbang. <laughs> Come on, Rudolph, Donner, Blitzen, Dancer, Prancer, Fernando, Kimmy and Lewis. 
get some speed on with the lots to do.